Mo, how we doing this morning? Is it good to be in the house of God? It's always good to be in the house of God, amen? I came and I feel like preaching, so y'all better match my energy. That's all I asked. Is that all right? For those who don't know, my name is Mark. Like he said, I, I oversee our Marshfield campus, and uh, I love doing that each week. For those who are maybe new for the first time, Destiny Church is one church. It's found in two locations. Um, I also want to personally invite anybody who's online and say hello, welcome, share the video, let's get the gospel on Facebook, all right? I'm going to jump right into the word this morning, okay? So we're in Ecclesiastes 3, and, and it says this. Starting in verse one, for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal. Y'all are seeing the pattern here, right? A time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to turn away, a time to search, a time to quit searching a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. You know, I want you to consider what season are you in? Life is full of seasons. This is Solomon writing, one of the wisest men to ever live, lived a full life, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of good decisions, a lot of bad decisions, but the scripture is so clear to tell us as it's inspired by the Holy Spirit that in life, we're gonna walk through all different kinds of seasons. So as we're sitting here this morning, what, what season are we walking through? But this is, the, this is the verse, part of the passage that I really wanted to get to. It says this, he writes, what do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all. Interesting. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. People cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So there, there's two things I wanna pull. There's a lot in this passage, but the two things that I wanna recognize is that there's a season for everything and then God's made everything beautiful for its own time. We don't always recognize the whole scope. We don't always see it. Doesn't always feel that way. We don't, we don't see the whole scope from beginning to end. But, but I'm reminded of a, a quick little point in the scriptures in John 13. Jesus walks into a room with his disciples and he sits with them and he begins to wash their feet. Now, if you know anything about who Jesus is in this social circle, he's the rabbi, he's the teacher. To wash the feet of others is the lowest position. Jesus getting ready to wash his disciples' feet. Uh, it's Peter who says, Jesus, you're not washing my feet, I should wash yours. Well, what do you think you're doing? You can't wash my feet right now. And Jesus says this, and this will preach. He says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. That was a word for Peter, but for some of us, that's a word for the season we're in right now. If, if you follow Jesus, then you know and you understand that sometimes you're gonna experience some things, you're gonna walk through some things in life that you just don't understand. You don't understand. If we were gonna be really honest in the room, if we were gonna get transparent with one another in the room, 
There's some things in life we're gonna walk through that are gonna leave us frustrated, impatient, confused, discouraged. Some of us are gonna walk through some things where it's like, God, I I don't understand. Why are you having me walk through this? Why have you allowed this? What's going on? Yet we see these scriptures. We just read one out of Ecclesiastes, but God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Ephesians tells us he works everything out according to his plan. Come on, we all love Romans 8, 28. He's working all things together for good for those who love him, and it sounds good. And it sounds good, but when we're walking through the messes and the tensions of life, it's like, God, I don't see it. I don't know how you're using this for good. I thought you cared. You seem absent. How are you allowing this? I don't see how any good could come out of what I'm walking through right here. And if we could all be really honest, there's, there's some seasons and there's some moments in life where it's like, I hear those truth. truths. It's just hard for me to believe it right now. But remember, Ecclesiastes says, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I wanna preach this message to the people in the room who you've definitely started something, you've seen the beginning of something, knowing his promises as he works all things together for good, but you haven't got to the other side. You're, you're somewhere in the middle of the scope. You're somewhere in the middle. I call this place the gap. Everyone say the gap, the gap. Now, because we're in a Christmas series and I like to make my title sexy, Pastor Chad knows that if I had to title this word, I would call it this, the gift of the gap. The gift, any note takers in the room, you can write that down, the gift of the gap. Well, we've definitely walked into something. We're believing for the fulfillment of God's promise that somehow, some way, he's working all things together for good that somehow he's above all of this and he's orchestrating all of this and he's gonna use it in only a way that he can, that he's gonna bring glory out of it, but we're somewhere in the middle and maybe we don't understand all of it. The gift of the gap. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. And Holy Spirit, I invite you into the room right now to till the soil of our hearts, help it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your word. We wanna be transformed by your word. You tell us in your scripture that if we just listen to the word, but we don't apply it, we're deceiving ourselves. We don't want to be deceived. We want to be transformed into a company of kingdom people. So Father, I pray that you'd breathe on this room, that you'd breathe on this word, uh, that you'd clothe every word that comes out of my mouth in an anointing that would allow it to penetrate our spirits that would transform us. And I pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to jump into the first chapter of Luke. It's Christmas time. We got to go to Luke chapter one. This is where the action happens. I don't know if you spent any time in the first chapter of Luke, but there's angelic proclamation. There's prophecy being fulfilled. There's babies getting filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb and leaping. It's action packed. It's crazy. There's a lot going on. And Luke, he's an intellect, he's intelligent, right? And so there's this fluctuation in the first chapter of Luke where he's telling two birth, two birth stories, Two sets of parents. They're they're related here. You have Mary and Joseph for baby Jesus, which we know, but then we have Zechariah and Elizabeth with their baby who's gonna be named John the Baptist. And both stories are significant, obviously Jesus being the most significant, but John is mightily important in, in the gospels and he's mentioned in all of them. 
right? There, there's something ab about John. John is, is essentially the fulfillment of prophecy. And so uh, we love the story of Jesus. We're so grateful for Jesus. Where would we be without Jesus? All things were created through him and for him. He is the center, amen? He is the king of all kings. He is the prince of peace. But Jesus, if you don't mind, I just wanna glance into the other birth story this morning. There's a small detail in the other birth story that a lot of us have probably overread that we probably never even looked at, but I just feel like the Lord wants to use it to speak to us this morning. So let's jump into Luke chapter one, starting in verse five. I'm gonna read a lot of scripture here, but anything that's in that book is better than anything I have to say, amen? Here we go. Luke one, verse five. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. We have Elizabeth and we have Zechariah and they're both from priestly lines. They're both from a legacy of blessing. You, you wanna identify two good people? This is them. You know what this really means? Their kids are homeschooled. Come on, let's keep going. I was homeschooled too, so don't cancel me, don't cancel me, we're just having fun. Verse six, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the law of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. You have these two people who love God, but they've been praying, making a request known. God, we want a baby. We, we, we want a baby. Would you, would you give us a baby, right? So this has been a prayer that they've had. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a crowd, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw. Zechariah is carrying out his priestly duties. An angel pops up. He's like, ah! Right? Uh, and, he, and all of a sudden, this angel begins to deliver a prophetic message to him. Check this out. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. You're gonna name him John. He'll, he'll have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. This is just, this is like, you know, the best answer to prayer ever. Where we're giving the, the baby you've been praying for, the thing you've been expecting for, this son, he's on the way. And this ain't no average son. There's a divine assignment on this kid's life. He continues to tell us, he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. God's gonna use this kid in powerful ways. He'll be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. This angel comes with some great news. You're having a boy. God's gonna use him in powerful ways. He's gonna change the world. And you would think Zechariah would hear this and say, Ooh, come on, praise God. God, are you serious? No way. Are you serious? Really? We, we get him? But instead, the reality, Zechariah says this. How can I be sure this will happen? 
I'm an old man. My wife, she's also well along in years too. Everyone say doubt. Doubt. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. But now, do we see it? Just, since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my word will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. <clears throat> and, then the, and then the passage wraps up. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When finally he did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And, and they realized from his gestures and, and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. He just comes out. <laughs> just, he can't even, he can't speak. But, but he's acting crazy. It says, when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. And soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant, went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He, he's taken away my disgrace of having no children. But Zechariah shows up and, and he can't talk. I, I read this passage and there's a lot there's a lot happening here. There's a lot being fulfilled. Uh, there, there's a lot of prophecy being fulfilled. I'm probably skipping over a lot. But the one thing that just seemed to grip my heart that I couldn't move past was Zechariah's struggle with the silence. You, you know, think about the conveniency of being able to use your words, to communicate your wants, to communicate your needs. Zechariah can't speak until the baby is born for nine months. He's not gonna be able to communicate anything. He's not gonna be able to talk. It's gonna be a minimum of nine months he can't use his, verse, his voice. I get frustrated when I pick my kid up from school and I ask him four times, how was your day, and don't get an answer. Never mind not being able to communicate for nine months. Nine months. Talk about frustrating. Now the text doesn't say it, but I could totally see where the Lord's developing some patience in Zechariah that didn't exist during this season. Nine months, no voice, had to be frustrating, had to be trying. And I just wonder, is there anyone in the room this morning who you've ever walked through something frustrating? You, you ever walked through something that was an inconvenience to your life day to day? conversations with God sounding like, God, Lord, I know you're able to fix this. Uh, I know you're able to turn this around. What, would you intervene, Lord? Would you, would you interrupt this? Would you give me my voice back? Now we know the angel of the Lord was so clear with the beginning and the end of Zechariah's muteness. But, it, but in total speculation, I find it fair to suggest that Zechariah has some moments where he was just downright frustrated, trying to talk, trying to communicate, and nothing comes out. But there's a scope he has the scope from beginning to end and where we find him in this passage is in the gap of God, somewhere in the gap. Remember, God makes everything beautiful for its own time. But I just wonder if some of us have found ourselves in the frustrating gap of God. Praying, praying that God would heal and restore the marriage. God, we've been, we've been to counseling God, God we've, been, we've been trying to sort through. I've sat and I've just tried to listen. And, and we went through the book that they recommended that we go through and it's been hard, God. Would you just turn it around, God? 
Would you just heal it? Would you, would you just restore it? Praying for the provisions at work. God, I've done everything I can do on this job. I've performed in every way I can. I don't know how they're still considering so-and-so for the promotion. That should be me. God, how long am I gonna stick around? I'm ready to walk out for real. Praying that the season of singleness would end. Praying for the conception of that baby already. But if you're taking notes, I want to remind the room this morning that if it's good, it's from God. And every gift from God, every good and perfect gift is from above. Okay? So we have to receive and come into agreement this morning with what that means. It means that not only is the gifts God give good, but the timing in which he gives them is also good. And gifts received prematurely often produce prodigals. Don't miss it. And and this is why we have to embrace God's process because in the process, he's equipping us for his promise. I'm gonna go through that again because that was fast. And really, if you don't get that, then the message is a waste. (laughs) Not only is the gift God gives good, but the timing in which he gives it is good. And often we can see gifts received prematurely can often produce prodigals. But to embrace God's process is how we'll be equipped for his promise. Give me scripture for it, Pastor Mark. I will. Proverbs 13 says it like this. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. What does that mean? You could have the blessing now, but your character won't sustain it. There's another one in Proverbs 13. It is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. See, we want the thing God has for us, but we don't want to put down the thing that's going to keep us from living in in, in its full capacity, from experiencing the fullness of the blessing, right? That there's something God's doing through the process. I think sometimes we're so scared of the process, but I just wonder if maybe God's laid things out that way on purpose. I would go as far to say this. Sometimes the gift of the gap is really just the grace of God. Because if he just restored the marriage right now and just healed it, it wouldn't give you time to recognize that you're selfish. And that's why you ended up where you are in the first place. So him restoring the marriage doesn't heal your selfishness. If you got the promotion before the proper character was produced, well, then your pride would lead to your destruction. If you just compromise and just started dating whoever, y'all get the point, right? If he just gave you the baby in that season, you would have never adopted those kids. This is why we need to thank God for the gift of the gap because even though we're frustrated, even though we feel discontent, even though the season has seemed long, God's grace was guiding you and bringing you into the good things that he had for you. I'm preaching the lights out this morning. Let's go. (laughs) Some of y'all have found yourself in the gap complaining and you need to start celebrating, knowing that God's doing some of his most significant work in one of the most frustrating seasons of your life and one of the most uncertain seasons of your life. And, And here's what I really believe is God has this process and we don't always love the process, but because it's God's process, it's good. 
So that's where we need to stay and remain. It's so much, I, I think some of the secret sauce of this whole spiritual life is learning faithfulness, learning to endure. And through that, that's where real spiritual maturity is developed. That's where real character is produced. When it, when, when it gets hot and I don't just step out of the fire, I actually remain in it, eyes fixed on Jesus is when he cultivates and forges something in me that didn't exist before. And so some of us, uh, what the enemy would love to get would love to do to you is get you discouraged and, and have you so discontent that you're ready to remove yourself out of the gap, out of God's promise when really he was doing something. He was leading you somewhere. He was cultivating something in you. I just wonder what would happen in a group of people that was willing to rise up in the provision of God, in the promises of God, understand that they're protected by God, and they would rise up and they would declare with some gladness in their heart, devil, I love the gap. Devil, I trust God in the gap. I'm grounded in the gap. I know he's good in the gap. I know he's got me in the gap. Guess what, devil? The gap's a gift. And I'm gonna stay right here and receive everything that he has for me. And my trust in him will not, will not waver. I'm gonna stay right here. I was, I was studying the scriptures for this message. Holy Spirit illuminates in my heart. Genesis 32. Worship team, you can come. And in Genesis 32, we see one of the most interesting stories in all the scriptures. There's even some mystery in this story. And as I remembered it, before I even went to read it, I, re, I, re, I thought about the story and I remembered, I'm like, oh man, this ties in perfectly with what we're talking about this morning. And in Genesis 32, we see a man named Jacob. And Jacob finds himself wrestling with a man who we know the scriptures reveal to us as God. He's wrestling with God. I don't understand it all, but this is what's happening. And he's wrestling. And as I remember the story, he wrestles with God and he will not let go to the point where God is almost, I don't know if he's frustrated or trying to get himself free from Jacob. He pops his hip right out of socket and he pops his hip out of socket and he, and he lets go. And so God's finally able to get free. And he's like, golly, right? Who knows the story? You heard it familiar. Yeah, that's not what happens, but that's how I remembered it. Let's look at it. Genesis 32, it says this. This left Jacob all alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. God, Jacob and this man who we know is God start wrestling. They start wrestling. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. So Jacob went, ah, and, and the man flew off, finally got free. That's what I thought, that's how I remembered it. Sitting there, ah, how could you do that? Uh, wow, that is not fair. How dare you do, I'm over it, I'm done. I, 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 went, I went back to the story. It says, and the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let go until you bless me broken hip, leg dragging. No, 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 no. I won't let go till you bless me. What is your name? What is your name? Jacob. And he says, your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you'll be called Israel because you have fought with God and you have fought with man and you have won. And I'm so glad I remembered the story wrong because like this, it's a whole lot better. 
here's the point. What, what Holy Spirit revealed to me as I'm reading through it is it's one thing. Jacob wrestling with the source of the blessing healthy was one thing. But Jacob trusting the source of the blessing was the same, even after seemingly being wounded by it. That was the place God wanted Jacob to be before he blessed him with a new name because he needed a certain character for Jacob to sustain the new name. Even when it seems as though we've been wounded by the source, will we trust that the source of the blessing is still the same? Will we still trust? When he pops your hip out, when he silences your voice, will you trust that the source is the same? Could it be that God's actually calculated with his conflicts? I want to go out on a limb here. I want to share a little theory that I have with you. Just, just a theory. I'm not saying the text lays it out like this. Just pure speculation. Proverbs is so clear about the power of our words. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue can bring death, and, death or life and those who love to talk will reap its consequences. We know this one. I, I know the tongue brings death or life. We've heard it. If you've been in church. You've heard it. You're familiar with it. Proverbs 12, 16 says, there's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise can bring healing. So we see what we're discovering through the Proverbs is that what I say holds weight. That my words have the ability to build up. My words have the ability to break down. My words have the ability to bring healing or they can contaminate and pollute a situation. Just what we're seeing in the text, Proverbs 15, four, a gentle tongue, is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. My tongue can build, my tongue can break. Our words are mightily important and God can use them for the good, but they can also be used for the bad. And, and what I learn even more specifically from Jesus concerning our words is what we say is actually taken directly from what's existing in our heart. This is just a reflection of what's going on in here. So this angel speaks to Zechariah. Your, wife, your wife's going to have a baby. He's going to change the world. And all Zechariah can say in return is, how can I be sure this will happen? Everyone say doubt. I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It is he who sent me to bring you good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. Bookmark. I want to come back to it. Anyone remember Matthew 13? It says Jesus only did a few miracles there because of their lack of faith. Matthew 9. He walks into a room where the girl's apparently dead. He says, she's not dead, she's sleeping. Everybody laughs, he says, get out. And it's not until everyone gets out who is laughing that that girl eventually gets up. Here's my point, sometimes certain things can only be birthed in an atmosphere of faith. That some, there's some sort of connection between our faith and what God is willing to do. I don't know, again, I don't understand it all, but my faith in the miracle of God, in the gift of God, there seems to be maybe something connected there. The angel told Zechariah, this baby is coming. 
Zechariah is holding doubt in his heart. So the angel says, that's it, you can't talk. Nine months, no voice. But I wonder if nine months of silence, as frustrating as it was, was actually the grace of God saying, Zechariah, I can't let you talk because there's doubt in your heart. And what I'm trying to birth in your life can only be birthed in an atmosphere of faith. So I know you're gonna be frustrated and I know it's gonna be hard, but I don't want you to release this doubt over your wife. I don't want you to release this doubt over the situation. I'm cultivating something. I'm birthing something. I'm producing something into your life. Once what was being produced came forth. What we see in the story, once what was being produced came forth, the same mouth that was put on pause would be the same mouth God would use to prophesy. Would you just trust God? Would you just hang in there? Man, we're so, we're so, God, how could you? I'm at it. God, I, some of y'all don't even feel like coming to church anymore. You're so frustrated. God hasn't turned it around. God won't, God, God, God won't do what you would he did. Would you just trust him? Would you just learn to stay faithful in the season of difficulty? Do we trust that he's the creator of heaven and earth? Do we trust that he set the boundaries of the sea? Do we trust that we were created through him and for him? Some of y'all need to be reminded this morning, he wasn't created for you, you were created for him. He wasn't created for your purposes, you were created for his. So what are you so discontent for? Ready to get out of the gap? He's doing something in it. Stay put. Let's just look at this story. You gotta see this. The same mouth he put on pause would be the same mouth he'd use to prophesy. Luke 157, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been merciful to her, everyone rejoiced. The babies, the babies here. And when the baby was eight days old, why is eight significant? Represents new seasons, represents new beginnings. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, 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 no. His name's gonna be John. What? They exclaimed, there's no one in your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. And he said, emotions, give me the tablet, give me the tablet. He motioned for a writing tablet and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And he turns it around. He says, we're gonna name him John. John, 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 we're gonna name him John. I got my voice, woo, I finally got my voice. Baby, you wouldn't believe it. I was in the temple, literally an angel popped up, said your baby's coming. I was like, what? They were like, yeah, I was like, who? They're like, baby, I was like, what? It was crazy, man. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again. John, thank you, God, hallelujah. He began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood of the news of what had happened spread throughout. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. And here's the part I wanted us to see. The mouth that was once put on pause would be the same mouth that God would use to prophesy. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord. 
the God of Israel because he has visited and redeemed his people. I feel like I'm on assignment this morning. This message is gonna edify the whole room because maybe you're not in the gap right now, but it's equipping for a time when we will be because troubles are promised. That'll happen. But maybe some of you are in the room this morning and you find yourself in the gap and you've maybe been ready to throw in the towel. You've been, you've been ready to, man, I don't, man, I don't even feel like, I don't, man, I thought God was good. I don't even feel like praying anymore. I don't even think my prayers are working. I just, oh, no, I should go to church. I don't even, life group, I just, uh, and it's like, y'all, listen, God has you right where he wants you and he's doing something significant in your life but some of you needed a little infusion you needed a little stiffening in your spine to say whoa 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 devil whoa 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 this is right this is right where I'm supposed to be I trust God right here God's good right here I'm grounded right here this is the gift of the gap some of you needed to be reminded this morning and I just want to take time to pray over you endurance a strengthening in your spirit if that's you, if you say, man, Mark, that's right where I am. I'm, I'm right in the gap. This word is colliding with me right in the season. I'm oh, in. I've been in the gap. If that's you, would you stand to your feet right now? I just want to take some time to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the gap. I'm in the gap. Come on, if you see someone standing around you, stretch out a hand towards them. If you're standing, look to heaven with hands raised. I want to pray over you, Jesus. We recognize that we were created by you and for you. We understand that this life is not about us, but this life is about you and your glory. And we remember that we're your masterpiece is created in Christ Jesus to do good work. God, this life is about what you would have. And so, Father, we ask for an anointing from your Holy Spirit for spiritual strength and spiritual endurance. We pray that you would allow trust in you and your character and your provision and your protection. Allow it to rise up in our hearts. And if we've been discouraged, if we've been ready to quit, God, I pray that right now you would do something that would reignite a peace that you're in this process, a joy that you're working all things together for good, an expectation that you can be trusted, that the weapon may be formed, but golly, it will not prosper. Holy Spirit, I ask for a filling right now, that you would pour something out right now, that something would rise up, that real disciples would be cultivated right now, that real genuine faith would break out in hearts. Holy Spirit, renew minds, renew hearts, do what only you can do in this moment. Some of us have been crying, some of us have been discouraged, but we're going to walk out of here with, with a new strength, with a new joy, with a new peace that only comes from Father, we recognize that the gap we've been in is really a gift. 